Save on the expensive lime in the cement mix, the result was a porous wall that crumbled under the attack from strong Fermland teeth. However, her hunger for life sadly led to her taking excessively large mouthfuls of mortar and brick. Ultimately, she was unable to chew, swallow, or spit, and the sand, pebbles, and chunks of clay blocked her windpipe. Her face turned blue, her heartbeat slowed, and then she stopped breathing. She was what most people would call dead. According to the myth, however, the taste of pig's blood had the effect of making the unfortunate woman believe she was still alive. And with that she immediately broke free of the ropes that bound her, passed through the wall, and began to walk again. A few old people from Grinaloka still remember the story from their childhood about the woman with the pig's head walking around with a knife to cut off the heads of small children who were out late. She had to have the taste of blood in her mouth so that she didn't vanish into thin air. At the time, very few people knew the name of the bricklayer, and Anderson worked tirelessly at making his special blend of mortar. Three years later, while working on the building where the water was now leaking, he fell from the scaffolding, leaving only two hundred kroner and a guitar. And so it was to be another hundred years before bricklayers began to use artificial hair-like fibres in their cement mixes, and before technicians at a laboratory in Milan discovered that the walls of Jericho had been strengthened with blood and camel hair. Most of the water, however, did not run into the wall, but down it, because water, like cowardice and lust, always finds the lowest level. At first the water was absorbed by the lumpy, granular insulation between the joists, but more followed, and soon the insulation was saturated. The water went right through it and soaked up a newspaper dated July the 11th, 1898, in which it said the building industry's boom time had probably reached its peak, and the unscrupulous property speculators were sure to have harder times ahead. On page three it said that the police still had no leads regarding the murder of a young nurse who had been found dead from stab wounds in a bathroom the previous week. In May, a girl mutilated and killed in a similar way was found near the river Arkaselva, but the police would not say whether the two cases could be connected. The water ran off the newspaper between the wooden boards underneath and along the inside of the painted ceiling fabric of the room below. Since this had been damaged during the repair of the leak in 1968, the water seeped through the holes, forming drops that hung on until they became heavy enough for gravity to defy the surface tension. They let go and fell three metres and eight centimetres. There the water landed and terminated its trajectory. Into water. Wiebeke Knudsen sucked hard on her cigarette and blew smoke out of the open window on the fourth floor of the apartment building. It was a warm afternoon and the air rose from the sun-baked asphalt in the backyard, taking the smoke up the light blue house front until it dispersed. On the other side of the roof you could hear the sound of a car in the usually busy Ulla Volkswagen. But now everyone was on holiday and the town was almost deserted. A fly lay on its back on the windowsill with its six feet in the air. It hadn't had the sense to get out of the heat. It was cooler at the other end of the flat, facing Ulla Volkswagen, but Wiebeke didn't like the view from there. Our Saviour's cemetery, crowded with famous people, famous dead people. 
On the ground floor there was a shop selling monuments, as the sign said, in other words, headstones, what one might call staying close to the market. Vibica rested her forehead against the cool glass of the window. She had been happy when the warm weather came, but her happiness had soon worn off. Even now she was longing for cooler nights and people in the streets. Today there had been five customers in the gallery before lunch and three after. She had smoked one and a half packets of cigarettes out of sheer boredom. Her heart was pounding and she had a sore throat. In fact, she could hardly speak when the boss rang and asked how things were going. All the same, no sooner had she arrived home and put the potatoes on than she felt the craving in the pit of her stomach again. Liebiger had stopped smoking when she met Anna's two years before. He hadn't asked her to. Quite the contrary, when they met on Gran Canaria...